Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. You can subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues or leave comments for us. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm hot. <laughs> right. What a coincidence. I'm hot too. That's right. We just got in Perth, Western Australia. We're going through a run of a week of about 38 degrees, just over 100 on the old scale. That's right, yes. So we will sweat our way through this uh, through this podcast. Yeah, we will. We will. We shall. Shall we let uh, our listeners know the date? Uh, yes. Yes, it is now uh, the 24th of January, 2008, and uh, it's close to the start of the year, and we might as well start with an update because you've had a bit of a win. The I last podcast two weeks ago was our uh, internet predictions for 2008, and one of yours has already come true. That's right. At the end of uh, well, at the end of last week's podcast, you asked our listeners to uh, contact you and uh, suggest a topic for our next podcast, and someone did contact you. That was me. That was you. Letting you know that, um, amongst the flood of other responses you had, letting you know that uh, my prediction, my my dream and hope for 2008 had come true, and that was uh, that we see the end of what's called DRM, or Digital Rights Management, and that's the mechanism by which um, digital content, music files, um, movie files, downloadable content is protected online, protected from piracy. Um, and my gripe is that um, many of the um, those mechanisms punish legitimate users, and um, and hopefully uh, that kind of that kind of mechanism for protecting uh, intellectual property will be done away with, and um, and we can get on with enjoying digital content without having to jump through hoops and so forth. Yes. And so, so what's the update that's happened in the last week or so? Well, a few days after that, um, Sony, Sony, Sony announced that they were going to um, provide DRM-free content as well. So they're the last of the big publishers um, to get on board that scheme. I think EMI was was already doing it, so it wasn't really much of a prediction because um, I think almost a, a majority of the big publishers, publishing houses, were doing that. And Sony were the most recalcitrant, and, and they seem to be on board as well now. So it seems that um, they've seen the light, and they're not going to, uh, you know, make it difficult for people to enjoy um, um, digital content by um, imposing restrictions that make it difficult to do that. Okay. So what does that mean in practical terms, Chris? Does that mean that the new music and the new videos that they bring out will be not copy protected? That's essentially it, Gihan. That's exactly right. There's not going to be um, there's not going to be information in the files, or the files aren't going to be encoded in a fashion that you have to use a particular bit of software that limits the way that you can use the file. So you might only be able to play it on a particular bit of software on a particular PC. You might only be able to make one backup copy of it. You can't make another copy for listening to a CD player in your car. You might only be able to copy it to certain portable music devices in the case of digital music. So those were the old, the old kind of DRM schemes. They made it really tricky. You had to you know, balance on a tightrope sometimes in order to, uh, to abide by the usage restrictions that were imposed on you as, as, a, as someone who purchased this content. So it was no surprise that people thought, you know, 
myself included, why should I why should I um, pay money for something that's kind of crippled? Um, and in my case, I just went and bought CDs from the store. Um, and in many other people's cases, they just downloaded it uh, off off illegal sources. So um, so by by making the music unencumbered, I think they're going to find that they're going to increase their sales because it's not going to punish legitimate users. And um, and away we go. It's going to be great. I think the point that we made last in the in the last podcast was that it never really uh, crippled the people who were pirates or hackers. Absolutely. I mean, there was always you, you can't make these things um, absolutely uncrackable. These these mechanisms. So people, you know, I could have gone and gone to the store and bought the CD and ripped it uh, and then made that that copy available. So even if you, if the downloadable versions of iTunes or whatever downloadables download store you get it from, you could still always go to a, a store, buy a regular CD or DVD, use some ripping software and then make it available on the peer-to-peer sharing networks that way. So it could easily be circumvented, uh, even though that was illegal. And so essentially all you were doing was punishing the people who had legitimately bought the stuff uh, because it wasn't getting in the way of the pirates. Right. So in other words, what you're saying is it's, it's, it really wasn't harming um, sorry, it was getting in the way. It was harming honest users, but not yep. um, not making any difference to pirates. In fact, I read a recent story, which is not about technology, but something in a, in a similar vein, which was about the Melbourne train system. And uh, a journalist had written an article saying, well, it's having the very strict restrictions on fares and ticket machines and punishing people who don't have tickets. It actually doesn't stop the people who doesn't stop the people who are really criminals and trying to rip off the system, but it does it does harm innocent train passengers who, for whatever reason, aren't able to afford to aren't able to buy a ticket. So, for example, they may not have the right change of the ticket machine, and they might not have um, time to buy a ticket before they get on the train. And so, they were suggesting the ticket inspectors would just issue instead of issuing fines, they would issue tickets. To right. people who are willing to pay, yeah. and again they were saying the same thing that it wasn't really affecting, uh, it wasn't stopping criminals, but it was harming innocent citizens who were trying to do the right thing, but yeah. for whatever reason couldn't. Yep, and so that kind of that kind of uh, attitude has been replicated online in the case of um, downloadable content. Yes, and I guess what you're saying is that Sony has, if you like, caved in to something that. Um, it's not the, it's not necessarily demands. It's not people making unreasonable demands. People making reasonable demands, and yeah. Sony is saying, "Well, you're our customers, therefore we'll do it." Yeah, yeah. All and all the big publishing houses have. Well, I, I think Sony were the last in terms of the big the big publishers. Um, so yeah, the other ones have have gone ahead and done so as well. So from iTunes, you can now buy uh, tunes that aren't that are DRM free yeah. from Amazon. If you're a US citizen, you can do the same. Um, so yeah, that's great news. So congratulations, Chris. Um, I wish I wish I'd picked an easy prediction like that one. <laughs> that's right. Instead of saying my prediction is that everyone in the world will have mobile access on the, to the internet by the end of the year. <laughs> maybe I'll yeah. change my maybe I'll revise my predictions. Um, Google will make a profit. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it does lead on to the topic that we're going to cover in this this week's podcast which is about copyright of digital content. Yeah, we've touched on um, co- um, copyright and intellectual property online in previous talks about um, Flickr and YouTube, but we haven't devoted a, a podcast uh, to the subject um, in its own 
right. So I think it's about time we did, given that my prediction has just come true. And that it is a, quite a hot topic as well. It's it's discussed on lots of other you know, lots of other lots of online forums. So um, yeah, there are some pitfalls that uh, we probably should point out to people, both as consumers and producers of content. Um, so yeah, let's go through that, Kihan. Okay. Well, you've pointed out that there are two sides to this. They're the consumers who are the people who are buying or obtaining the content. Let's talk about what we, what we mean by content. So it may be somebody who's downloading a music file. It could be somebody who's downloading a video. It could be somebody who's buying an e-book from some, some publisher. What are the other typically these sort of things that, that you consider digital content, Chris? Uh, images, Gihan. So images, images, yes, that's right. So download or might, or might include in um, content of your own. Yep. That's right. Um, and uh, and again, like a number of my clients who are in who present educational material, they're things like PowerPoint presentations. So the slides that they might give to a client, what rights does the client have to then reuse them? Yep. Yeah. And um so, is, is the other one as well I was going to mention. Software, yes, that's right. So we're talking about things that I guess in the past it was harder for people to copy that sort of material, but now that it's digital, it's very simple for someone to to take a copy and then to pass it on to everybody they know. That's right. So we're not going to be talking about how they do that, but we're going to be talking about the, the whys and the, and the rights around that, both from the consumer point of view and the producer's point of view. Yeah. So, yeah, if we continue in the vein of, um, of uh, consumers for, for a moment, um, something that we talked about in the past was um, when we're doing blogs, for instance, if you... Uh, find, like I have my I Know Funny blog, for instance, and occasionally someone sends me uh, an amusing image that I want to include on that blog, um, what can I do? Can I just um, take a copy of that image and put it on, the, put it on my blog or, or something like that? Is there, or what are the copyright implications of doing something like that, Gihan? Mm, and, and so what are they? And what do you do? Well, well, what I should do, and, uh, and uh, it's not always the case, but what I should do, of course, is that I should make sure that, um, well, I, I shouldn't assume that just because uh, I've got a copy of this image, therefore I'm free to use it in whatever whatever means I, I, I want to. So uh, instead of doing that, um, you either find the original image and you can do something like a hot link to it. So rather than making a copy of it, refer to it using a bit of HTML code that hot links to it. Yeah, in fact, on that topic, I, I have had people who email me uh, from time to time and they say, I saw this article on your website, really like it. Is it okay if I link to it? And that's what you mean by hot linking. Uh, you talk about images, right. but the same applies to web pages or articles. And I say, yes, of course. of course. Um, but the fact is that they don't require my permission to link to a page on my site. Yeah. Uh, or to link to an image. They do require my permission if they embed the image on, this, on, on a page on their site. Yeah. So we should make that distinction, shouldn't we? So if they were, for instance, to take a copy, a, an actual digital copy of the uh, content that they're interested in, be it an image or an article, put that on their own website and then refer to it in whatever fashion, then that's where they do need to seek permission to make that kind of copy. But if that's instead, right. If instead they just use a, a bit of HTML code to refer to the original, then uh, in that case they can do that without getting permission. Well, I think, I, think it's, I think we need to make the distinction that if they link to the original, 
if they have a link to the original, that's okay. But if they have a bit of HTML code that inserts the, set, the image, even if it's inserting the original image from somebody else's site into the middle of their web page, that's not okay. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's, uh, that has come up in um, certain copyright infringements where, like, for example, if we were to go to the Bureau of Meteorology website and we have a look at a page that shows the weather map over Western Australia and it shows it's going to be hot for the rest of the week, we would be completely entitled to have a link on our blog or a podcast on a podcast page to that page on the Bureau's website. But we wouldn't be able to insert some HTML code that shows the weather map on our blog because okay. that is owned by, the, by that organization. Right. Uh, and it's, it's a bit of a tricky one because lots of people do that. They just insert the image and they say, well, I haven't made a copy of the image. I'm just referring to the original one. But you're referring to it out of context and therefore you're using it in a way that you're not allowed to. Uh, right, okay. What, um, so what resources exist out there, Gihan, for content, and, and this is something we've mentioned in the past, for content that you are free to use? So we've said that just if you come across something that you want to use, you, you need to uh, seek the owner's permission to make a copy. But there are, there's a great repository of free stuff that is in the public domain that you are permitted to uh, make copies of, and that's the Creative Commons content. Yes, that's right. And actually, before we get onto that, there's one other thing that you that you do in your I Know Funny blog, which is you have a number of video clips. So people send you funny videos, and you include them on your on the blog. And the ones that I've seen, Chris, certainly are, are YouTube videos. And sites like YouTube and a number of other Web 2.0 sites do give you permission to copy. In fact, they make it easy for you to copy. And so therefore, you have got permission to use them. Right. That's, that's exactly right. So, yeah. Some sites make an exception by default because they essentially want you, encourage you to do that kind of thing because they want you to eventually end up at somewhere like YouTube or um, or Flickr. With and yes, there. so what they do then is, so what's in it for YouTube? Well, you you embed a video on your site, someone watches the video, and at the end they've got a link through to the YouTube website. In fact, any time they're watching the video, the user can click through to the YouTube website. Exactly. And... Uh, and as a, a video content producer, when you uh, actually upload something to YouTube, that's when you decide whether you're going to grant permission for third parties like blogs to embed your, your video in the, the YouTube player on, their, on your blog. Oh, that's right. You can choose that on a video-by-video video basis, can't you? You can. That's right. Yeah. The other thing I noticed about YouTube, and this is where you've just got to be really careful, Chris, that I read the YouTube terms and conditions, and... They have changed over time. But I remember at one point when I read them, it said that you can embed any YouTube video on your site provided it's a non-commercial site. Mm -hmm. So they allowed you to use YouTube clips for personal use, but not for commercial use. All right. Uh, now, at the same time, there's also the conditions were strictly that you could only put personal videos on there. You couldn't put any commercial videos, but they yeah. seem to have relaxed those rules. Okay. So both of, so both of those rules, Gihan. Well, certainly that, that second one. So you are allowed to have some commercial content in the video that you post there. Yeah. Uh, and again, I guess my point is that just read the rules, find out the rules, don't just assume you can use them. Yeah. Which is a point that you made earlier, that just because you get a little video clip or even a link to a video clip doesn't mean that you can then republish that just because you can technically. doesn't mean that you're allowed to. Yeah. So, Chris, you mentioned Creative Commons earlier. 
it's something that uh, is fairly recent, but it seems to be gathering some momentum. So tell me a bit about what that's all about. Yeah, so Creative Commons, they have a, a website, creativecommons.org, and it's um, a movement or an organisation who are about providing licences to content producers that want people to, who essentially want to encourage people to use their, their content. So there are a variety of different Creative Commons licences, the most basic of which is the by attribution licence. So there you're able to use the digital file so long as you just attribute the, the content, you say who originally created it. Then there's another, another version which um, permits you to use it so long as it's not for commercial use. And then the third uh, variable to the license is um, whether or not you're permitted to make modifications to the content. So in some cases, uh, you may not modify it, you have to leave it in its original form. Uh, but, in other, uh, but the alternative, the flip side of that, of course, is that you can uh, modify it, uh, use it in a mashup, whatever you like. So, yeah, that's Creative Commons in a nutshell. Okay, so I guess the big picture around that is that if you if you think about copyright in general and the the way that copyright traditionally works is that it restricts you from using using material. And uh, I guess at the other end of the spectrum is public domain, where you have material that you that either copyright has expired or someone has put it out in the public domain where you can use it any way you like. And Creative Commons gives you a way of, of as somebody who produces some content of giving restriction, giving restrictive access to copy. Yeah. So, so at different levels, depending on what level you want to allow it. That's right. Yeah. So, for example, if you want to allow people to copy your material but not change it, but they can use it as long as they credit you as the author, then you have a Creative Commons license which has attribution. Exactly. Um, and I guess there's quite a lot of that on the internet, where it says you can use this as long as you credit me, and it's non-commercial and you don't change it. So that's an example of having all three of those things, isn't it? Exactly, yep. Um, and there are others which are a, a little bit less restrictive, so they might say, you have to credit me, you can use it in commercial for commercial use as well, and you're allowed to edit it as well. Exactly, yep. Uh, and I guess yeah, the other thing is this, there's a concept called copyleft, which is a bit of a play on words on copyright. The copyright is about restricting access. The copyleft concept, which is another Creative Commons version, says that you're allowed to use it as long as you pass on those rights to other people as well. So, for example, if you create a PowerPoint slideshow and you use some um, you use some images which are which have been under this copyleft Creative Commons license, then you have permission to use them as long as you give other people permission to take the PowerPoint slideshow and use them the same way. Exactly. And uh, but, similar sort of um, copywriting goes on with software as well. Some open source software uses that copyleft concept so that if you use a bit of a chunk of software or source code in a in a program, which is got a copyleft license, then the software into which you've included that um, needs also to include that kind of, be distributed with that kind of license as well. Yes, yeah, so I noticed another example of that, which is, uh, which is a well-known website, is Wikipedia. We've talked about Wikipedia in the past, and in preparing for this podcast, I had a look at the Wikipedia license, 
and uh, it, it is essentially a copyleft license, which says that you can, which, me, which means you can copy any of the material from Wikipedia. So it's been contributed by the internet community, and you have rights to copy that and reuse it, provided that you then provide rights for other people to take whatever you created and copy them, copy that in the same way. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. So if you create an ebook that's made out of Wikipedia pages. And you uh, and you provide and you make that available to people, then you can only do that, provided that you allow other people to then take that ebook and copy that in the same way. Use it in the, that's right, license it in the same fashion. L license in the same way, which which could be quite restrictive if you're creating something that that is commercial and you don't want people to to reuse. Yeah. So again, it comes back to if you if you use something, just read the fine print. That's right, if you don't want the lawyers on your back. That's right, yes. Um, and I guess a really good example of Creative Commons, which is actually a practical example that people can use, is the Flickr website. We talked about Flickr before. So it's F-L-I-C-K-R.com. So it's Flickr without the E, uh, where people can upload photos. And there is an option when you're searching for photos on Flickr that you can search for photos that have been, that have been made available under Creative Commons license. And... That includes the non-commercial use, uh, so you can search for material that is available for commercial use, and you can search for photos that you're allowed to edit as well. That's right, yeah, all all three of those variables in the Creative Commons license, you can check the, the, the boxes when you're doing your search and um, and find material that's been licensed in that fashion. So the, the, the users of Flickr, when they've, they've uploaded um, images to their accounts under Flickr, they're given the option of licensing them under any of the Creative Commons licenses. And so then when uh, users come along and visit the site and want to do image searches, they're able to search for content that has Creative Commons licenses uh, attached to it. Okay, so I guess in summary from the consumer's point of view, the, the two points that we want to make is one is don't copy something just because you have it and just because you can. That's right. Um, so read the fine print first. Um, and secondly, do, do be aware that there are some ways, there's, there's some material that is available for copying. So don't, all, don't go to the other extreme and just assume that you can't yeah. um, as long as you read the fine print. So from the producer's point of view, Chris, we've talked about a couple of the things already, such as don't harm legitimate users because uh, in an attempt to stop pirates or hackers, uh, because you, you won't stop the hackers and the pirates, but you'll just make things difficult for people who are trying to do the right thing. That's right, yeah, that was that was my gripe uh, during the last podcast and, and went on about it at the beginning of this podcast too, yeah. And I remember when um, I was writing um, uh, my e-book, the, the I Am Siamese one, I sort of asked you, Gihan, that was the first e-book e I produced, and I was sort of wondering... You know, wondering out loud to you, what should I do about preventing people just taking a copy of this this PDF file, as it essentially was, and then trying to distribute it for free or sell it on their own websites? How was I going to protect myself from that kind of copyright infringement? And your response was, well, just get over it, build a bridge, and get over it. Um, it, it might happen, um, but uh, it, you know, one of the options would have been to make it a password-protected file and and uh, only issue the password to paying customers. And as I've just whinged about, um, making it difficult for legitimate users, that's uh, precisely the kind of mechanism I was whinging about. So, yeah, in the end, uh, I took your advice and simply just made the PDF available 
on a secure website and, and left it at that. If, if people want to distribute it for free or, um, or, um, or sell it on their own websites, um, there's not much I can do about it, but it wasn't worth the time and effort to, uh, to actually implement some kind of copyright protection. In fact, I get that I get that sort of question often. So, if my clients who are publishing things, and it's typically something like an ebook, but it could also be something like a video. What technology should they use to protect their material? And part of the reason for not protecting it is that with something like PDF, the the, the technology is, is so mature now and reliable that pretty much everyone can read a PDF file. Mm. But there's there is other technology. For example, there's something that will make sure that you can only read it on one computer. So the first time you open it, it registers itself and somehow knows what computer is being run on. So if you send it off to somebody else, they won't be able to read it. The problem is that the software is complicated. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work on Macs and PCs. And it may end up causing you more hassle than uh, send the business that you lose by, by, protected, then by keeping it protected or not protected. That's right. So I, I I still think it's um, that the get over it idea is still the way to go. That said, I was uh, I have a coaching client. I was speaking to her yesterday. The clients are in the market where copying is rife. I mean, they would just take it and copy it. So she's she's more careful and more prudent about what she makes freely available because she thinks that most of the people in that market would have no qualms at all about taking it and copying it. So she'd lose business if she made her material too easily available. Right, okay. So, for instance, as you described, the, that, that technology whereby the file was linked to a particular PC, um, that I'm quite sure is probably... There are people out there who could circumvent that with, uh, with, little, with, with, with ease, and um, away they go. They, they've got a pirated copy that they can then do with as they please. Um, so, as you say, you're getting in the way of the legitimate users, but... In some circumstances, you, it's not that you might not be in a situation where the people who are going to be interested in, who are going to be doing this kind of rife kind of copying, are necessarily going to be using pirate scripts and that sort of thing to crack, to crack copyright protection. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And in the example of your ebook, for example, the the most obvious example of where somebody would want to copy it is if they have two computers in the house. Mm. It's so they bought the ebook, they paid for it, it's their own copy. Uh, it's a legitimate copy, but they want to make sure that two people have access to it because they're two computers in the house and they're not on some shared network hard drive or anything. They just want to, for convenience, have it available on, in two places. Yeah. Um, all business clients that I have, they often have uh, a very small staff or maybe no staff at all, so they will outsource their administration work to somebody else. So if they buy one of my products about some technology, about how to do something on their website, they'd like to make sure that they can send that copy onto their administration, administrative assistant who is doing the work for them. Um, and that's completely le legitimate. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's the purpose for which they bought the copy. And if it happens, it just happens to be on a computer um, of somebody else who lives off the premises, they should be allowed to do that. Yeah, of course. And there's always the case, Gihan, that you're going to upgrade your PC after three or four years, in which case anything that is locked to that particular piece of hardware essentially gets lost with that piece of hardware being replaced. Yes, it does. It does. So this part, so, so we're talking about from a producer's point of view, if you want to restrict access, I guess what we're saying is we're saying don't. Yes. Uh, don't try too hard because 
again, you get the same problem that the the big music the music companies had, which is that they, they don't stop the criminals and they just inconvenience their, their customers. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing I want to, to point out, Chris, is that if you do want to allow your material to be copied, then tell people that they can, because there are some people who do respect copyright, but most people do, and they won't copy it unless you tell them that they that they've got permission to. This particularly applies if you're doing some marketing and you'd like some, if you're creating something for viral marketing, which is where you'd like people to pass it on because you'd like it to spread through like word of mouth, if you like, rather than word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and you want people, you want to encourage people to do that, tell them what they can do. Tell them that they're welcome to copy it. So these are the reprint rights that you often encourage um, publishers to or, or producers to uh, include with their content. Yes, so for, for e-books, for example, like I, I encourage people to create one of the first e-books. I, I say, if you think of if you're thinking of writing and selling e-books, great. Why don't you start off with a free e-book first that you give away to people? Because then you don't have to worry about shopping carts and copy protection and any of that. Just make it easy for people to download and use. And I say make it better than free, which is include a, include some comment at the front that says you have the right to reprint this and pass it on. And again, you can do the sort of things that Creative Commons licenses do, which is to say something like, you're not allowed to make any changes to this. Yeah. Yeah, so and it's very much like that, isn't it? Include an attribution and don't allow anyone, don't allow people to modify it. Yes. And if they um, want so to charge money for it, they all, all use it in whatever fashion, so you're not obviously going to restrict it to non-commercial uses only. So it is very much like a flavour of the Creative Commons licence, isn't it? It is, and I have I have been on both sides of that, where I've bought or obtained e-books, typically e-books, but there can be other things as well, but e-books that have those sort of rights at the start, and they just have a very clear statement that says you have reprint rights or you have redistribution rights, and sometimes they're very clear and they say you can do anything you like with it. So I bought a set recently which they, they provided me the original Word documents and they said you can do whatever you like with it, including branding it your own and editing it. Um, so that's the most, the least restrictive, yeah. the most flexible, uh, all the way to saying you can't copy this um, and and pretty much every flavor in between. Is there any uh, any any last things that you'd like to add, Chris, as we finish up this this podcast about about copyright and copyleft and digital rights and how you manage them? Well, obviously, I want to congratulate the uh, the big music publishers for finally seeing the light. <laughs> and now I might start start buying some um, music online rather than being old school and buying it only on CDs. <laughs> well, see, there you go. I mean, that's the proof, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I've stuck to CDs up until now. Because I, I, there have been a few smaller, um, smaller retailers that uh, provide DRM-free content, and, and I have bought from them in the past, but that's all. Um, so, yeah, now I'll seriously give a look to uh, um, the bigger publishers and retailers with uh, now that DRM-free is available. Absolutely. So, good on them. Yeah, well done. What about you, Gihan? Well, I, I, the, again, the thing for me is that I just see so many people who just assume that they've got the rights to something just because they've got tech, the technical capability. Mm. And uh, I'm particularly aware of this and I'm particularly sensitive about this because in my businesses, most of my clients are information producers. Mm. So they're experts who actually make money from the information that they produce, either by standing in front of a group or by 
creating products as, uh, creating products that deliver that same information. So I'm really sensitive to that. So uh, I, I just notice it. I'm just very aware that when when somebody's using something, I just go, hold on, have you got the rights to use that? So I just encourage everyone to say to ask that question, like just because I can copy it, do I have the rights to copy it? And uh, check, like read the fine print. It is actually worthwhile because sometimes it's worse than you expect and you might say, well, I wish I hadn't read that. But sometimes it's better than you expect and you may find that you've got rights to things that you, you wouldn't have expected. And in terms of protecting your own material, don't, uh, don't build fences that punish uh, legitimate users. Yeah, don't, don't do too much to do it. I mean, there's, like, uh, like on your, in your e-book website, Chris, it's not like you've got a link to the download page uh, to, to, to download your PDF file before they buy, and they still have to go through the buying process before they get that link. Um, so you have, you have reasonable protection in place, but don't go overboard because all you'll do is you'll inconvenience your customers. Good, so thank you for that. As usual, you can find the links to the sites that we referred to at the, the podcast website on gihanperera.com forward slash focal point. So until next time, Chris, enjoy your enjoy your couple of weeks and stay cool. Yes, stay cool, Gihan. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.